Christ is risen. Hallelujah. That is what we are celebrating today. Let me read to you. I'm going to pick up where Mal left off on Friday. Um, spoiler alert, just in case you hadn't risen, uh, you hadn't read the Bible. <laughs> Friday was your first, first day. Christ rose on the third day. I'm going to read that too. Matthew 28, 1 to 10. Jesus has risen. After the Sabbath, at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary who went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. And they came to him and clasped his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for what we are celebrating today. Not only the death, but the resurrection of Jesus for our sins so that we could be in relationship with you, Lord. I just pray that you speak to all of us today, that you reveal to us your love and your acceptance, your grace and your mercy, deeper and deeper, no matter what level we're at, Lord. I just pray for a deeper revelation of you. In Jesus' name, amen. So Resurrection Sunday is like our religious grand final in some ways. It's the pinnacle, it's the day where everything that had been spoken about before Jesus and even through Jesus' life, everything comes to a head on Resurrection Sunday. It's the moment where a guy from Galilee, a carpenter, a nobody, so they thought at the time, becomes the Christ and the Messiah. And, you know, the, the thing is, a lot of people now who are not Christians believe that Jesus was a person, that he actually walked on this earth. Jews believe in Jesus. They think he's a prophet. Muslims believe in Jesus. They think he's a prophet. We as Christians obviously believe that he is the Messiah. But I say that to let you know that there, is, there are thousands of documented manuscripts that prove that Jesus actually walked on this earth far more than most other emperors or leaders of the time around the same time that he lived and there's no question of their existence and so I think it's really important for us to understand that Jesus as a man as a human walked this earth did literally walk this earth that that should be undisputed, although I could understand why some people would dispute that. But from a historical point of view, it is undisputed. 
And it's important because what happened on Good Friday, as Mao spoke about, that Jesus was crucified, an innocent man hung on a cross and died, was also not miraculous, was not out of the ordinary. There were thousands of people who were crucified, some guilty, some not guilty, probably. The fact that Jesus was an innocent man who hung on a cross is not the full story. That happened to lots and lots of other people. It's not the full story. But what happened on Resurrection Sunday, when Mary Magdalene and the other Mary ran to the tomb and saw an angel of God sitting there on top of the stone that was covering the tomb where Jesus lay and that that tomb was empty, that is the miracle. That is the point of Christianity. That is where all of the prophecies, all of the, all of the, uh, all of the direction, all of the previous redemption from God, all led up to that point. So on Resurrection Sunday, this is where everything changes. We're looking at pre-Jesus time, pre-resurrection and post-resurrection. And that's important because of what the resurrection actually means to us. Without the resurrection, there is no Christ. It's just Jesus, son of Joseph, Jesus the carpenter, Jesus the prophet potentially, Jesus the really nice guy from Galilee who did some crazy things that people saw, but without the resurrection, he's just those people. And you know, when it really comes down to it, if he was just a man who happened to ruffle the feathers of the religious establishment of the day enough for them to plot and plot against him to kill him, then that's where the story would end. But it doesn't. And they knew that at the time. Those religious leaders knew the importance of the truth. And the truth is that if Jesus rose again from the dead on the third day, that all of the prophecies that they had spent their life studying would all become true. And they would then have to turn to Jesus just as we have. It was radical. It was incomprehensible. It was impossible for them who had spent their life studying God and having a relationship with God in the confines that they understood, it was impossible for them to get their head around the fact that this man from Galilee was the Christ and the Messiah that they had been longing to see themselves. And the amazing thing of the resurrection is that the power that the resurrection had 2,000 odd years ago is the same as the power that it has today. Not just on Easter Sunday, but tomorrow and the next day and the next day after that and the next day after that and every single day of our life from this point forward and behind us. The power of the resurrection of that day lives in us. The resurrection, it's the final piece of the puzzle. It's the proof that everything that had been prophesied had come true. It's the confirmation that you are loved. It's the confirmation that you are forgiven. 
that you are accepted, that you are welcomed into an eternity, an everlasting relationship with our Creator. It is the proof and the confirmation that there is no longer a barrier between us and God. Mao talked about the curtain tearing in two. You know, the curtain used to separate us from the holy place of God, the, the, the altar where God lived. No one could go into the presence of God. That, that curtain that separated people from the presence of God was torn in two from top to bottom, ripped off of its rail to hit the ground so that we, all of us, can have absolute freedom in approaching the throne of God and experiencing his presence. That is what Resurrection Sunday stands for. Today, Resurrection Sunday, is the proof that you are right with God. You are right with God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Our sin which once stopped us from experiencing the full love of God, has been wiped away by the amazing act of love, the agape love that we've talked so much about, that Jesus endured on that cross. And we often think about what he went through on that cross, and we're sad about it, and we should be. We should be sad that the fact that humans could do that to another human, regardless of who Jesus was, whipped nearly to death, hung on a cross to die a slow and painful death, nonetheless the fact that he was an innocent man. But we should not be sad at the symbolism of Jesus knowingly and willingly Enduring the pain that he went through for every one of us here today and every single person throughout the entire world. For the existence of mankind. This is what Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday mean to us. Romans 3, 22 to 24. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that comes from Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to I go through this scripture because it is so important, and I really believe that no matter where you're at with your walk with God, no matter what level you're at, whether you're a theologian to this is the first time that you've ever heard about God and everything in between, I really believe that a fresh new revelation of what Jesus did on the cross is radical in all of our lives. It's the difference between going to bed tonight without hope and waking up tomorrow with a new hope and a new perspective and a new look on life. New, fresh, revived, resurrected, just like Jesus was resurrected on this day. You know, in that scripture, it says this righteousness given through faith to all who believe means that the righteousness, the ability to be made right with God is given to all of us through faith. 
to all who believe. Do you know what that means? That means for all who believe, every single person on this earth who believe in Jesus through faith has been made right with God. You are right with God. There is no barrier. No difference between Jew and Gentile. When this was written, back in the day, Jesus was a Jew. They believed that God was for Jews and only Jews, not the Gentiles. So Jesus, at the time, they thought that the Messiah would only come for those who had been chosen. But that is not the truth. The truth is, is that Jesus came for all of us, not just Jew, but also Gentile. No more separation, no more discrimination, no more, no more, um, no more distinction. Every single person, race, colour, religion, not religion, because you've got to be Christian, place of birth, status, money, no money, whether I think you're a good person or not, it doesn't matter. We are no different to the person sitting next to us. No different to our neighbour whose trees hang over our fence. There is no difference. Jesus came for all of us. And more importantly, all have sinned. Now that is a pretense word. All have sinned in the past. But let me tell you that Jesus came for all who have sinned all who do sin, and all who will sin. And I can confess here to you today that I have been a Christian for about 15 years. I sinned before I was a Christian. I sinned when I met Jesus. I sinned while I was studying the Bible. I sinned while I was going to prayer meetings. I have sinned while I stand here and preach in front of you. I will sin in the future We are all the same. All have sinned. There is no distinction between sinner and non-sinner. It's not even part of the equation. All have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. You know, we've, we've talked a lot about pandemic. This has been a big word for us, epidemic, pandemic. To me... When I, when I read this, all fall short of the glory of God, I think what our human instinct to do is sometimes in our culture, because we're led to believe this, that there are good people and there are bad people, and bad people should be punished, good people should be rewarded, and we have jails and we have laws and we have all of those things that help us identify who's bad and who's good. And then we have the court of public opinion on Facebook, and you don't even have to be guilty to be accused of being guilty, And you are guilty because that's the perception. And our culture's built on this concept of judgment of whether you're good or bad. And we've all fallen for that. Some of you judge me to be good. Some judge me to be not so good sometimes, maybe. If I've offended you, I'm sorry. But we are all part of this culture right now that says you are either good or bad. And I think what happens in our brains... We're wired to think of ourselves as less than the person next to us. And we automatically think that other people are doing much better in life than we are. The grass is always greener, or keeping up with the Joneses, as they say. We're, we're, through culture, 
And however it happens, I believe that we are wired naturally to think that others are better than ourselves. Am I right? And I think that when we read this scripture where it says, all fall short of the glory of God, I think sometimes in our human minds, we underline that and highlight it and we stop there and we go, yes, I have fallen short of the glory of God because I'm a sinner. And we close our Bibles and we feel bad and we feel guilty and we don't want to be in the presence of God because it's uncomfortable because we don't feel like we deserve it. Am I right? We judge ourselves to be unworthy. But Resurrection Sunday, thankfully, says that you are not the judge of your character. You are not the judge. I am not the judge of my own salvation. I am not in charge of my salvation. Thank God for that. All of us fall short of the glory of God. And that is not in there to make you realise that actually, yes, I'm a sinner and I'm a bad person and I should feel guilty. That is in there to tell you, actually, that is good news. You can't possibly do anything to earn the glory of God. You cannot work your way into favour with Jesus. If he was here today and there was a lineup and he was making judgments, yes, I'll go to the cross for you. Yes, I'll go to the cross for you. Actually, no, I'm not going to go to the cross for you. It's a ridiculous thought. There was no choice in between who he was going to the cross for and who he rose from the dead for. All of us are, all of us have sinned. All of us do sin. All of us will sin. And all of us fall short of the glory of God. But guess what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because all are justified. All are justified. Now I'll give you the Greek word, dikaio. And say it with me, dikaio is the Greek word for justified. That word means that you are made right with God, that you are declared innocent with any of the due punishment wiped away. It's like going to sit in front of a judge and being guilty of a crime and that judge saying to you, don't worry about it, be free when maybe you should have spent a long time in jail. We are justified. We are made right. It's a legal term. Our debt, our punishment has been taken away. We have been justified freely. And that Greek word is durian. Say it with me. Durian. Durian is a, it's something that is freely done without cause. It's something that's unearned. You cannot earn the fact that you have been justified by God. Nothing you do. It was given to us freely. You have been justified freely. How? By his grace. And the Greek word is karis. Karis. It's a gift. It's a blessing. It's freely extended to all of us of himself. His grace is a gift. I don't know about any of you, but if someone hands you a gift, what do you do with it? You accept it. It's rude, actually, to not accept a gift. That's what we've been, you know, taught. There's that 
um, saying, never look a gift horse in the mouth. I don't know what that really means, but what I, what I know it means is that you should just accept a gift when someone gives you something out of their own, they're freely given it to you because they want to, you accept it and you say thank you. Through the redemption, this last Greek word, apolotrosis, say it with me, apolotrosis, it's a fun one to say. This redemption means to be bought back, to be paid for, to be set free from. It's a, it's a, it's a legal term again. If I had sold this microphone to Ben and Ben's walking around bonking people on the head with it, I buy, I buy this microphone back from him. I take it back from him. I can do whatever I want with this. This is mine. This is my microphone now. I've paid for it. I have redeemed it. And from a spiritual sense, you all know we were lost to sin. From Adam and Eve, sin came into the world. It was a barrier between us and God. And God came back and tore that curtain and brought us all back. He redeemed us. He has brought us back into his presence freely because he loves us. I'm going to read that again. Through uh, This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. It is amazing. I pray that all of us, even if you have had this revelation before, I pray for all of us here today that this is a brand new and fresh revelation to you again today, that God's love and redemption over your life is washed over and over and over again. In Ephesians 1, 4-10, I think this scripture sums it up best for me. And if you'd been doing the reading, you would have been reading um, Ephesians. And I'll just pray that these words that are written in the Bible just sink into our spirit. They are so powerful and so meaningful and so deep, and so loving, that for me, it's impossible when I really focus on what's being said, it's impossible not to be moved and to be overwhelmed by the love of Jesus. And it says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. You and I, we were chosen before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. And guess what? Through the resurrection of Jesus, you are holy and blameless in the sight of God. You are holy and blameless. You are holy and blameless. In love, in agape, he predestined us for adoption to sonship 
through Jesus Christ, through his love. He knew before Jesus came and did what he did for us, that through that act, you and I would be adopted and made his legal children, that he would shepherd us back under his wing in accordance with his pleasure and will, not because he had to, but because he wanted to, because he loves us. We are his. You have been redeemed to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one, capital O, the one as in Jesus, the one he loves. In him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. We have and are and will be forgiven for our sins whether it's self-judged or judged by others, it actually has no relevance in the story of redemption through the resurrection. You have the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. He didn't just give it with a half-clenched fist. He threw it gleefully, willfully, lovingly, poured it out with all wisdom and understanding. That's God's wisdom and understanding. And thank God that responsibility is not fall on us. With all of his wisdom and all of his understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which was purposed in Christ. We know now, it says here, that he has made known the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, He wanted us to know his will and it pleased him for us to understand his will, which he purposed through Christ to put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment. Resurrection Sunday is the time when that reaches its fulfillment. When Jesus said on the cross, it is done, this This is what we're talking about, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment. And what was the will of God? To bring unity to all things in heaven and earth under Christ. To bring all things, all. I looked at that word in Greek just to see if there was any kind of tricky meaning to it. The the Greek word is pas. Say it with me, pas. Guess what it means? All, everything, all, to bring all things, to bring unity, not just to bring all things under Christ, but to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Amen. Unity. This is the will of God, that we should all be united together under Jesus Christ. Through his redemption, sins are no longer counted against you. It is not a barrier. And please, afford me the 30 seconds to just clarify this. I'm not saying that sin is not important. It is in us being able to live a full life. But I will say with 100% confidence, 
because I have read the word and I believe that the word is the truth. And the truth is that your relationship with God and my relationship with God is not based on whether I'm a sinner or not. My access to God, my ability to live eternity with God is not based on whether I'm a good person. In reality, if I judge myself to be bad but still love God and I repent and have faith in him, guess what? He accepts me. He has brought unity with me, brought me into a relationship with him. And all of us are exactly the same. And I think, I, I say confidently, that the pandemic, the real issue in our culture, is that we don't, we don't believe this part of it. Because somewhere in our mind, we, we've been taught to know that you are either good or bad. And we tell ourselves that every day. That to me, the, the worst epidemic we have in our society within Christianity, and I know that's a medical term, but it fits here. There are people who have, are captive and held bondage, in bondage, to the thought of being unworthy of God's love. And if you think inside of you that you are unworthy of God's love, then your relationship with him is going to be a reflection of that feeling of unworthiness. And it's not easy. I understand. There are things every day that remind us of how we are not worthy. But praise God, amen, that we and the people around us are not the judges of our worthiness. We are accepted we are loved. The resurrection is a symbol and a sign and a, a stake in the ground to say from this day forward, things will be different. You are loved. You are accepted. You are welcome. You are wanted. Not just wanted, desperately and deeply wanted. You are radically, dramatically loved. Outrageous. The love of Jesus for us is, by our standards, outrageous. And I don't want to be offensive or controversial, but I, I do feel to say that if we are stuck in the mindset of rejecting God's love because we feel that we are not worthy, then we are held captive and held bondage to a thought that does not come from God. His word is true and factual. If you feel unworthy of God's love, you are wrong. If you feel like you've fallen short, good. Acknowledge it, because we all fall short. God did not send his son to the cross to rise again on the third day because we deserve it. He did it because he loves us. Because to him we're worth it.
because he loves us. You know, about 15 years ago, I met Jesus. I gave my life to God. And most of you, if not all of you, know, you know, parts of my past. I grew up without a dad, you know, come from a Come from a broken home. And when when I started exploring God, I didn't understand. I didn't know Jesus. I knew and believed that there was a God, but I didn't know Jesus. And I was curious. And in my mind, having a curious mind, I wanted to find fault. I wanted to pick holes in the story. I wanted to find areas that didn't make sense. I wanted to not believe. And in reality, I found inconsistencies. I found reason not to believe. I took the hurts and pains of other people that they'd had experienced through church and I took them for myself and I thought that God couldn't exist, that it's a fabrication And in my curiosity, I asked Larissa, if Jesus is real, if Jesus is real, why doesn't he just show up here today? Why doesn't he just walk through the doors in his lightning white robe? Why? That's easy. The whole world would be converted. And she said, I don't know because I've never asked to see Jesus because she believed. But that wasn't good enough for me. I wanted to see Jesus. And that night when I was driving home, I was praying and I said, if you are real, show me. I need to see it. And it was night, and I was driving down the freeway, and I was doing the speed limit, I'm sure. (laughs) And I was expecting a lightning bolt and a flash of lightning for Jesus to miraculously turn up, you know, in my passenger seat or to appear in the, on the road in front of me. And, but that didn't happen. But within about 10 seconds, I, I had this overwhelming, I can't even describe it, this overwhelming love and peace just wash over me. And I was so emotional, I couldn't even see driving, you know, 100 kilometres an hour on a dark road with tears just filling my eyes. And I couldn't breathe and I felt like there was this, this heaviness 
And I don't mean like a, like a dark heaviness, just this weight of love and acceptance, like a big heavy blanket in the middle of winter. And anyway, I went home. I fell asleep straight away. I was exhausted. I went to work the next day. I was a mess. You know, people kept asking me what's wrong. I kept saying I've got hay fever. I wasn't a full Christian at the time. Some people probably just assumed I had a hangover and I didn't correct them. But I was a mess. A complete mess. And so I ended up leaving halfway through the day. I just couldn't handle it. Driving home. And I was crying again. And I I can't describe... Words could never do justice to this. But as I was driving home, with tears just flowing out of my face, I I had this vision in front of me of Jesus just reaching his hands out and cupping my face and wiping away my tears. And to me, to me, because I understand to you, these are just words, they might be powerful, but to me, this, this was it, this was my resurrection. This was the day that Jesus rose from the dead for me. This was the day that it stopped just being words on a page. It stopped just being songs and lyrics, relationships, where it changed to be a deep understanding that God loves me He came to me, for me. And I'm not saying that everybody has to have that same revelation. Because everybody is different. And I can tell you that in the last 15 years, I have had numerous experiences where I have felt the presence of God over and over and over again. And where before that, I was critical and sceptical and wanted to find fault in everything that happened. From that moment on, I became an advocate. I became a believer. I was changed from the inside. And I didn't know at the time the impact that God was going to have on my life. I had no idea that 15 years ago, as I'm bawling my eyes out, crying down the road, that I would be here today, 15 years later, standing in front of you, sharing my experience of God. And I don't do it so that you can think how amazing that was for me. I'm sharing this because I want you to have that same experience. And you know what the beauty is? God is here with all of us right now, individually, waiting. It's not going to be the same for you. Maybe it is. I don't know. I'm not God. Thank God for that. But what I do know, what I know 100%, Nobody could ever convince me anything different. That when we sit in the presence of God with an open heart and we genuinely ask questions and we seek him to know what the truth is, I know that he is faithful to us, that he will speak to us, he will touch your life, he will change your life. It's radical The Pharisees at the time were afraid of this. This, 
is Resurrection Sunday. And so on this day, I want to give us the opportunity. I want to give all of you and myself the opportunity to respond. And we're going to worship. The band have got an item. And then we're going to worship some more. And we don't do this very often. But I want to give you an opportunity to come to this altar, to come to the front. Not because there's any special presence of Jesus here. But because it's a sign and a step of faith in boldness and in bravery to get out of your seat and to stand in front of other people who love you and want that for you, to come and declare within yourself, not to God because he already knows, but to make that step of faith within you to say that this is important and I want this. So I want to encourage you in however way you see fit, but I would encourage you to come forward and worship God and allow others to pray for you and with you. And I'm confident that even if it's not a lightning bolt moment right here and right now, that you will be different. I speak that out in faith in the name of Jesus, that he will reward you for your courage and your bravery to just reach out. So we're going to worship and we'll let God take over from there.